Welcome to The Whole Truth, where two wholesalers help financial professionals build great practices and thrive in a rapidly changing industry. We'll bring you the stories and voices from those on the front lines of this change, and we'll have some fun along the way. This is more than a podcast. We're building a community of financial professionals who are growing, forward-thinking, and want to get better. Thanks for listening and contributing to the discussion. The views expressed herein are those of the participants and not those of Touchstone Investments. And welcome, everybody, to The Whole Truth from the Bay Area, California. I am Steve Side. And from the reigning World Series championship, Atlanta Braves, I'm Kurt Dupuy in Atlanta. The whole year, that's what's going to happen. Well, I've done it a few times now, that's and true. I think it's building momentum. It's like, yeah. I'm just jealous. Like all my teams are such a gigantic mess that uh, I'm jealous of anybody that's experiencing any kind of success. Are you a basketball fan? I don't even know if you are. Oh, that's like a a tier two or three sport for me. Tier three. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I watch March Madness and I watch like the the finals in the NBA that that's, that's about it. Hawks had a run last year. I kind of got into it, but Hawks good team. Very seasonal. Yeah. Yeah, I get that. I won't spend extensive time, but as we record this, I'm a Brooklyn Nets fan and our boy James Harden, I think it was less than a year after he complained his way out of Houston to come to Brooklyn, now has complained his way out of Brooklyn. So but you got Ben Simmons. Yeah. I mean, is Ben Simmons even play basketball? I hope we he think shoot maybe. Well. And I'm an uh, LSU guy, and I still have to say I, that. Listen, if you start Jumper talking yourself into, into potential here, so of course I'm like, yeah, you know, ideal Ben Simmons. But this is not a basketball podcast, so we will quickly not chop yet. that off. <laughs> not yet. I want to take it in that direction. But this is a, a phenomenal episode. We have a financial professional on by the name of Lee Michael Murphy. Um Great interview. Really enjoyed him. Uh, Fantastic guy. And the reason that we had him on is we are looking to have more financial professionals on, but particularly people that are doing really innovative and different things. And in the case of of Lee, he he started his own podcast and they are 100 plus episodes in. It's called The Free Retiree Show. He's on it with, uh, with two of his colleagues. That's clear to me that they, you know, they're friends. That's clear because it's yeah. a very entertaining show. They have great, great banter back and forth. It's really entertaining to, to to listen to. We wanted to basically have them on and say, okay, you know, you started your podcast, you're a financial professional. There's not a million of those types of podcasts. We've talked to one in Brian Doe, but there's not that many, particularly ones, any that we can see that goes, you know, beyond a hundred episodes. So we were dying to have them on and just ask them some questions. One of our missions with this show is to bring the stories and the voices of people on the front lines, right? Of, of this yep. industry is changing all the time. So Lee Michael Murphy checks both of those boxes. So his story is interesting. So we get into how he got into the business, but really we kind of tried to get him to create a checklist or like a do's and don'ts if podcasting is something you're interested. Actually, this week I had a, um, a a guy say, I've always wanted to do that. I've always thought about that. And he's like, well, great. We have a show coming out with a peer of yours that talks about his experience. So anybody that is doing anything creative, I think will benefit from this. But particularly if you're going down the podcast route, a lot of do's and don'ts, a lot of lessons to be learned. And you could learn it by listening to this rather than doing it yourself. So with that being said, we'll get into our interview with Lee Michael Murphy. As always, please subscribe. Tell your friends about the show. Uh, leave us a review that helps other people find the show and reach out to us with any comments, questions, or basketball. Yeah, <laughs> I'll take those uh, questions. Sure, all, all day. The whole truth at touchstonefunds.com. Shoot us an email. And here is our interview with Lee Michael Murphy.
We are absolutely delighted to have Lee Michael Murphy on the show. Lee, thank you so much for taking a few minutes to chat with us. Oh, thank you guys. It's an honor to be on your podcast. Appreciate it. One of the big reasons we wanted to have you on is you're a a financial professional. Yeah, I think we just passed 10 years officially in the industry. So I've been at it for a while. But yeah, been a podcaster for about two and a half years now. That's kind of what we wanted to talk to you about is podcasting as a medium. And it's not that, hey, every financial professional needs to go out and start a podcast, but it is a, a pretty good medium for connecting with an audience in a different way. And, and we really want to get into that with you. So let's, let's start with your story first as a financial professional. How'd you get in the business? You know, for me, I think I was one of the weird ones. I figured out that I wanted to be in this profession probably when I was 12. I, I figured it out then. I was like, I want it. I didn't know what it was called. But I knew that I wanted That's to go right, that yeah. route. But yeah. the, the the reason that was is my grandfather, he came to the country way back when. He didn't have any money. And he became very successful through his investing. He invested in real estate, invested in stocks, securities, that sort of thing. And he made a lot of money. And with that money, yeah. he was able to send my sister and myself to private school. I mean, he paid for our education. So looking back through my childhood, I was definitely a misled kid. And if I had probably gone to some of the schools that were there or didn't have the money to go to these nicer places, I probably would have run into some problems. And I didn't realize that part then, but as I got older, I was like, man, like what my grandfather gave me was such an amazing gift, like to be able to give us this education, create opportunities that that weren't there. And that came through money. And so money, you know, as you guys know, it's not the end all be all, but man, it sure does give you, that's the truth of it. It does give people a lot more opportunities. And I figured, man, what can I do to give that gift to other people? And so from an early age, I was like, I want to do that, but I don't know what that is. And then as I progressed, I figured out, oh, you know, that's, that's, there's a career for that. It's called financial advising. So did you start right after school? You know what? I started not immediately after school because I started when I got out of school, got out of college, it was 2008. And so there was not a lot of financial That would have been a perfect time. <laughs> right? The, the perfect. I was like, man, this is, destiny is not there because no one likes this profession right now. So I went and washed cars for Enterprise Rent-A-Car for uh, about a year and a half, did some credit card is sales. Is that right? Pro- yeah. yeah. Man, it's, and that was actually, you know, in hindsight, that was such a great path because, you know, jobs like, you know, going door to door sales, working for Enterprise Rent-A-Car, they just work you to the bone and they just make you very appreciative for everything after that point. So I'm actually, (laughs) I'm actually very glad that that was my path, but like, man, getting your tie sucked up in a vacuum cleaner while you're washing someone else's rental car is very few experiences that are much more humbling than that. And so (laughs) good times, good times, but it makes you so grateful afterwards. So, but that was my start. And then I got my experience in sales and marketing through that. So it was very valuable. And then uh, I was top performer, for enterprise. And then I used that as part of my resume to get into finance. And then I made the leap. I, I love the gratitude in your voice. There's, there, you know, Definitely. there's often um, a, a lack of, of gratitude in this business. But going back to your grandfather's story, like if you can't connect with the fact that money can change, it has the potential, not always, but money can change people's lives. And we're connected with that story, like that's, that's a, like, that's how I explain what I do to my five-year-old or six, six-year-old, right? Yeah, absolutely. And you know, it's funny is, you know, 
from the 2008 financial crisis, there's so many people that are naysayers about what financial advising is. And, you know, they're always, oh, the banks are evil. Financial people are evil, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, you know, part of, you know, where I found my success when my career really took off and I was just like, I kind of looked at that and I was just like, you know, that these people are so stupid. They have no idea what they're talking about. And that's, I think- It's a narrow view. It's a narrow view, right? And then if you think about like, you know, everyone, the media wants you to believe that like financial advisors are evil, finance is evil, banks are evil. But man, like the truth is, if you think about our profession, it's a godsend to any, to any civilization, any country. If you look at their banking systems that, that have, you know, the, if they have that structure in place, I mean, that's where all the success happens. That's how people generate wealth. That's how people get their home. That's how people get paid for jobs. And you know, that's how people create wealth. I was like, man, like all the stuff in the media that people talk about our profession, how it's bad, it's negative. It's like, you got to look past all that and realize that we like help create opportunity as financial advisors, which I'm assuming a lot of your listeners are. Totally. Yeah. 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 No doubt about it. Well, give us the big picture of your business, like the types of clients you serve or, you know, how would you describe your practice? I just describe uh, my practices, you know, successful families. For me, it's living in the Silicon Valley. So I got your average Silicon Valley power couple, which is, you know, they have a couple kids, they have a white picket fence, and they pay way more than they need to for everything because they live in Silicon <laughs> Valley. That's kind of the average client that I have. It, it could be mid-career or they could be into that retirement phase. But even the ones that okay. are in the retirement phase tend to be, you know, retired VPs, executives that just left Silicon Valley. Let's jump into the podcast. What's the story there? Like what, what made you want to get into it? Give us a background. It started with wanting to, you know, voice my opinions on just certain topics in finance. One thing about finance, as you guys know, there's a lot of different messages out there of what works and some things work a lot better than others. And just having the experience in the industry, I got to see th- uh, strategies that work and the strategies that didn't. But all too often, there's a lot of things that are out there in the media uh, of terms of things you can invest in that don't work. And there's a lot of what we call BS around them. That's so the guys that I started the podcast. That's a technical like, term. That's yeah, a that's a, that's term. that's our that's our politically <laughs> that's correct the finance. Term. <laughs> <laughs> you learn that at Wharton or something. <laughs> we felt that you know there's just a lot of misinformation, and we said you know let's create a podcast that just gives it to people straight, and we like talk about all these things, and we try to like use academic data, but really just kind of peel back the onion per se, and just really figure out what the truth is behind these things. Like, do penny stocks work? Does, is crypto the place to invest in? Is day trading where it's at? Is, you know, life insurance is an investment? What does that look like? So all these things that there's, you hear about, but people don't really understand. Our goal was to just have honest conversations to get that information out there. Let's think about what's going to get, get people the most success towards getting financially free. We figured, you know, career success is one thing that, you know, all the clients that I work with that have been relatively successful, they generally have done a great job in their career. Secondly, they've done a great job with their money. And then third, they have the right mindset. So we put all those together and the thing was just give clear honesty and just, you know, make it entertaining. So that was our idea and we just ran with it. That's phenomenal. And and when you had this idea, had you ever done any podcasting? Did you know anything about it? Because we had a similar type of journey and I'm curious what you how it was for you. You know, absolutely not. I knew nothing 
about podcasting. I knew zero about social media as we were talking before we got on. I mean, I got, yeah. I got into Facebook like a couple years ago. That's how behind the curve I am. Like, you know, my, <laughs> my grandparents were further ahead of the curve than I was when it comes to technology. You're probably already ready stuff. to delete it too. <laughs> <laughs> so I just, you know, I figured, you know, this is something that I could get into, but I, I looked at it and I said like, you know, what's, why would this be valuable? Right. Because before you jump in anything, you got to look at like why, what makes it a valuable use of your time. And so what I realized is I started like downloading podcasts and I realized, man, I have these people on my phone and they've been there for a while, probably, you know, years now. And I've never deleted them. I always circle back to these people because with a lot of ways of, you know, getting education, you might sign up for an online course, you might pick up someone's book, but then it's done. You generally don't come back to it. With podcasting, I realized like I keep going back to these people, you know, hmm. it's nothing that it's built. It's they they're on my phone. They've built this consistent trust with me and I've gotten to this habit of listening to them time and time again. And I said, you know, what? that's a really smart marketing strategy, right? That's where I, I figured it's a good use of my time. What is success for you? So for us, when we were starting our show, we weren't doing this to, to, you know, to compete with Joe Rogan and get hundreds of thousands of listeners. We were doing this because we had an audience that we wanted to speak to. And as long as that audience was engaged with us, that's all we needed. How did you think through what success looks like for you guys? I mean, in a general sense, success was just giving great information that we feel like helped people. So that was, that was the number one. Like, can we get that out to people? we do a good job of that? Um, and I think that's the first part is like, can you give great information that's really going to help people and, you know, make their financial journey different? So I think we do a great job of that on the personal level, as you know, a lot of your listeners are financial advisors. I think, you know, it's to build up a database of people that listen to you, that you can, you can get some of their data. You can invite them to uh, listen to different podcast episodes. I think that is the other thing is, you know, having that collection of data was the other thing. That was the uh, business goal is try to get these group of listeners to one in the, in the near short term, you know, reach out to me and reach out to my friends that do the podcast with me for help in career, finance, legal, because the podcast that we do, we have a guy that's an executive at LinkedIn. He helps with the career stuff. I do the finance. And then our hmm. attorney does the legal stuff, keeping people out of the hot water. It, it was something that was naturally around me, these guys that were very close friends of mine. But when I thought about it, I was like, it just makes sense. Like for people to move forward, they got to get their career down. They got to get the money down. They got to avoid the big mistakes, which is the attorney. We didn't really want the attorney because who wants an attorney? But right. he helps people navigate situations where they, they make the wrong decisions. All that work together. And uh, right now, it helps us each in the jobs that we have. But the, eventually, you know, we'll be able to build like an e-course out. So that's that's kind of the end goal. But we're a long ways from that. Right now, we're just enjoying what we're doing right now. We're enjoying the fruits of the labor that we're getting. But there is a bigger goal for us. And, you know, that eventually will probably be an e-course at some point. I could probably count on one hand the number of financial professionals that I know that have a podcast. What are some big lessons that you could share for financial professionals that are considering starting one for themselves? We made a massive mistake in the beginning is... We, we had a great format. We had great synergy. We got that feedback immediately from people because what we did is we sent the podcast out to about 50 people and said, do you like what we're talking about? Does it resonate with you? And pretty much most of them loved it. We said to a lot of random people that we didn't know so we could get honest feedback. 
And then we probably had one one negative uh, person, and he was like, he was a professor from, he was an older professor from Santa Clara University. He said, you guys aren't very professional. You guys joke around too much. And we're like, all right. No, well, that's what makes a good podcast. Yeah. Yeah. That's so we're like, you're obviously not going to be our listener. But <laughs> overall, we felt that, you know, do we have something? Do we have something that people want? And that was clearly a, a resounding yes. So I would say, you know, if you get into it, what's going to distinguish you? There are hundreds and hundreds of downloaded recordings of boring people talking about boring stuff. That's just our industry, right? And so you have to figure out a way how you can make it entertaining and different. So I think that's the first part. Figure out what's going to make you different. And we decided that we're going to try to be as entertaining as possible, push the envelope a little bit. And that's kind of like our brand, uh, you know, and it's funny because I sit down with clients that hear me and they're like, oh, my gosh, you're like, you're so different. Like the, the, the personality we get on the podcast is like funny and it's a little bit crazy. But then when we're sitting down to you, you're very like, you know, business oriented. And so but for the podcast, I think you have to have that element that's going to be entertaining and draw people in and what your brand is. Right. And it can't be dry and boring. People don't yeah. want to listen to dry and boring. A word that both that resonated with both of us was infotainment. It's like we want to be sharing good information, but we just want to make it lighthearted and fun. So that's a word that's always kind of stuck in the back of my mind. With mm-hmm. if I think of our ideals for what we're trying to create here, that's that's a crucial part of it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So the first one is creativity. The next part was consistency. That's where we messed up. Also, so we had this great reviews of people that are like, we love what you guys are doing. And then we took a break. We're like, we put out some good episodes yeah. and they're like, oh, we're going to take a month off. No, it's going to take six weeks off. And we had really good listenership when we started. We came back. No one came back to us. We lost a bunch of listeners. And so I think that's another thing is like when you get into the podcasting world, you, you have to realize you're going to have to be consistent. You don't get success unless you're you can consistently put out information. You have to say like, we're going to commit to every Wednesday, we're putting out an episode. And uh, if we are behind on schedule, we haven't had a chance to record, we're going to have to get together and put down an emergency episode to make sure we're, we're getting consistent with what we do. And so that's the thing is like, when you go into it, you have to, you can't just be like, oh, I'm going to just give this a try because it's, it's not yeah. going to work. You, you have can't to limp have, in here. You yeah. have to be like, ah, this is my strategy. I'm going to stick with it. I know that I'm not going to get immediate results because we didn't, we didn't get immediate results. It took a while for us to get the sort of listenership that we have now. These, and these uh, lo- like loyal people that listen to us, it, it takes a while. And that only comes with being consistent and not expecting anything immediately. Speaking of producing content on a regular basis, we produce a show every three weeks because we'd like to do it more, but there's a lot of hurdles that we have to go through. We have to go through you know, our compliance department, our marketing department. There's a lot that goes into it. We're, we're very fortunate that we're able to do it and we have a firm that backs us. What were those hurdles like for you? How'd you get the, the go ahead? I think I wore my compliance department down. <laughs> <laughs> with all the episodes <laughs> I kept giving to them. I think I just like by sheer volume and consistency, they're like, basically, you know, on our podcast, we, we, we like, we like to like kind of push the envelope. So, we, we, you know, we might drop a, drop an F-bomb or a curse word here and there, yeah. or like some of our jokes, uh, you know, might be not professional all the time. <laughs> and so I was kind of getting a lot of that, like, well, you know, just make sure you don't insult anyone. And <laughs> It's like, you know, we're just trying to have a good time when we do it. And so I, we got a lot of that in the beginning, which was surprising. Very few of the, oh, you said this and it wasn't, you know, up to what the SEC wants you to say. Every now and then there was something like, oh, you, you said this, this could be construed as. 
you get a little bit of that, but know what your, know what the rules are, know what you can say and you can, what you can't say, yeah. and then you're less likely to have compliance really give you a bad time. Because I think from all the volume I gave them, they're like, okay, this guy might be annoying on the things he's saying, but ultimately he's not going to do anything that's illegal. And so yeah, they he's just, playing in bounds. I can give you guys a couple of the other ones, like just yeah, so please. I get, I get. There's five. I gave five ones for anyone that's trying to start a podcast that I think you got to figure out before you go into it. So we talked about the first one, you know, have some creativity and something that makes you unique. Secondly, consistency. Consistency is king. Third is getting help to put the podcast out because another thing that I didn't realize is a podcast takes a ton of time. I do not have the time to edit a podcast, make all the content for the podcast, push it out. Because if you're thinking about it, like you have to schedule your podcast with your guests and whoever, whatever host you have, right? So that's probably, you know, each, that probably takes a half hour, an hour of scheduling, right? Going back and forth. Uh, then you have to think of the content. That's another hour, right? So let's say we're up to two hours just with your content. There's your recording. Let's give you another hour for recording. That's three hours. Then you have to edit that. That's double the time at the very minimum. So you're up to five hours. Then you have to make your content. <laughs> That's probably six hours. Then there's the technical difficulties or putting it you know, out there. There's another half hour right there. So, I mean, you're looking at a project that is probably going to take, if you're doing it on your own, six to seven hours a week. I mean, it really takes up that much time. So I got assistance to help me with this. So yeah. I get the best part about podcasting because if I honestly, if I was doing all of that other stuff, it wouldn't be fun. I would wouldn't probably quit. Yeah. I'd probably be like, this is not enjoyable anymore. But for me, I designed it so I really enjoy it. You know, my assistant is great and says, this is when you're supposed to record. This is who you're recording with. This is what they're about. And they do all the editing, helps with the promotion. I go over it and give my feedback, but it takes minimal time. So I think that's what you have to think about as well is how can you make it work for your life? Uh, same thing for us. We've got uh, a firm that helps us with editing and we've got our marketing support from our home office, which is phenomenal. So great points. Uh, let's transition. We talked a little bit about how it is impacting your marketing efforts, but I, I'm interested in from two sides. One, with current clients, do they listen? Do you do something for client, current clients? And then the second part being the prospects. In terms of the current clients, I think some of them listen. So I think that's that's been a good thing. In terms of the the new clients, so one thing I noticed that's very interesting is when I would get new clients on board before, I felt there was more of a interview process from the client. Like they would ask me more questions. They you know they barrage you. With, What's about? Tell me about this. Tell me about that. Tell me. And you know you might win the business. You might not. What for whatever reason. I feel that since I have a podcast now. I have a much higher conversion percentage on hmm. all new clients. And I think they feel like they the, know you. Yeah. Because what the thing is like, they actually will do the research on you. So they see my podcast, maybe in my email underscore, or they Google me and they're like, oh, you know, he's got a podcast. They do their research. And I can tell when I'm uh, doing the, the initial meetings with these people, when we're getting to know each other, I can tell that they've listened to my podcast just through our conversations. And they ask a lot less questions because the trust is already there. They've are, you've yeah. already established yourself as a trusted resource. And they've, li they've spent probably hours of time listening to you, hearing your voice, hearing your concepts. And so right there, it's, it, you've, you've made your sales process easier, honestly. Just by going as a financial advisor, you know, you want to build trust. That's 
that's the foundation on how business is built is building trust. And a podcast can be a great way to do it. I get a lot of people that just contact me because they listen to the podcast, which is great. And then a lot of people that they're already sold on what I do. So I get less of those like, oh, we just want to interview you and ask you all these questions. They've already done their research and they've already decided. So I think that's an amazing benefit of having a podcast. A big predominant part of the buying uh, decision is done before anyone even meets you. So they're going to do that research. And if you have something else that helps build that trust, yeah, you just said it, it makes that much easier for you in terms of conversion. And some people think, you know, that, oh, there's so many podcasts out here. So it's, it's a hard thing to get attention. But the truth is we just talked about it. A lot of them go away quickly. And when you actually get somebody to focus and listen to that episode, it's, it's completely uncluttered. And when someone's listening to you on a podcast, you've got their attention. Even if they're doing yard work, you've still got a big portion of their, of their attention. Especially when they're doing yard work. <laughs> but if you get five listeners, right? That's like five people that have your undivided attention. Yes. And it's, it's extremely valuable. Think about it like that. We talked about some of the benefits now. You mentioned downside being time. Is there any other downside from your perspective, it, it all it all comes around like time and and the work that's involved yeah. with it, right? It, it that that's I think the big the big issues with this is just like if you're going to get into it, make sure you have that process in place because know that each episode is going to take a lot of time. You're going to have to spend a lot of time getting guests, and you know you're going to have to go on other podcasts too to create awareness about what you're doing. So I mean, all the negative around it is, do you have the time available? to, to make it part of what you do. It can't, it can't be just a, you know, a random idea. You have to commit to this. Besides that, I don't think there's really many other negatives for, I mean, you know, I think there's always the chance, right? If you say something that's recorded and it's not legal, I mean, there's, there's an issue there. I haven't run into that knock on wood, (laughs) but you know, that's, that's one of the issues that's out there, but that's not one that really concerns me. And I think for most people, that's probably not what they're concerned about. It's just, you know, can they put in the time and effort, you know, just to save people that decision-making if they say like, Oh, I'll try it for a couple months and see how it works. Don't do it. That's going to be a complete waste of time. Like I have plenty of other ways to market that, that don't require that consistency. Exactly. Who are some of the more interesting folks you've had on or, or things that you learn from guests on your podcast? Oh yeah. That's, that's one of the most amazing benefits of, you know, having a podcast. So a great point. I, I didn't think about mentioning that, but uh, when I started this podcast, I thought, you know, just, you know, I have, a, I have a message that I want to give to people that I think is going to help them. I do want to have more awareness on my business. Those were my, those were my first reasons for getting into podcasting. But the thing that I didn't see is exactly what you said. Like the cool people that you meet along the way, I think two of like the top economists, you know, in the U S come on, you know, in recent months, like the Top, top 20 ranked economists, you know, coming on my podcast is something I could have never thought of before. Yeah. You know, the face of the largest advisory firm in the US coming on my podcast. It's yeah. wild like that these yeah. people actually reach out to me and say, hey, we want to be on your podcast. I'm like, oh, okay. Like, this is crazy. <laughs> Isn't that like, great? Yeah. I mean, it's wild. Like, I didn't even have to reach out to these people. Jose Benitez Kong came on and he was one of the first five people to work on the iPhone. Mm-hmm. Him and you know, four other four other people talking about how we're going to build this phone called the iPhone and bring it to market. That was that was an amazing interview. So I think his thing was all about, you know, how can you figure out if you're in the right place? He gave amazing advice on that. Uh, 
for the financial advisors, I would say, you know, one guy that stuck out was Jeremy Schneider. We probably had him on about a few months back. The reason I would say I'm recommending him just specifically for your audience is because he's an entrepreneur. Most, a lot of financial advisors are entrepreneur focused. He created a, a website called Rentlinks and he sold it for millions of dollars. And then he made Personal Finance Club, which is a online course that teaches people about finance. He made that a business and now it's it's well over a million dollars. And he's working on a company called Nickel. It works, I think they're they're in AI and they're gonna try to make that a billion dollar company. So obviously he's a very successful dude, knows what he's doing. And I just asked him, you know, like, what is it that you know you that you see from entrepreneurs that makes them successful? And his whole thing was, you know, overcoming failure is the key to, you know, his success. And I think it's uh, something I've noticed with a lot of people we interview is, can you be persi- be persistent and, and overcome all these failures? And I think that that's a huge part of, you know, anyone that's trying to be successful. I think that's, that's the, one of the main drivers. But then he mentions consistent daily improvement. Most of us don't think about what can you do each and every single day a little bit different to get better. Right. And I think that that's what separates him from so many other people. Like, I think consistency is one thing, but go, having the mindset every single day, being like, what can I do a little bit different today, a little bit better? And I think, and he described it to me as like, you know, day after day, that makes the difference. That's how people create these dreams that become reality is having that sort of mindset. So, what a challenge to yourself, you know, challenging yourself in that way. That's amazing. Mm hmm. Yeah, so there's all kinds of great interviews we've we've had on there, and but I'd say you know for people that are on entrepreneurship, definitely check his up his episode out. But there's so there's so many other great ones we have on the Free Retiree Show. So just check it out if you guys get a chance. How much did you have to pay off the other guys to put your name on the podcast rather than your other co-hosts? Ah. <laughs> 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 oh, uh, Oh, you know, believe it or not, they actually were, you know, I haven't got any fight on that one. So <laughs> oh, man, good but friends, the, good friends. Yeah. But you know what? The honest thing is like, I don't even want my name on the podcast. It just shows up yeah. that way after you download yeah. it. It shows, I was like, oh, there's my oh, name is that on right? there. Yeah. I didn't expect yeah. that. But you know, it's, uh, it, I, you have to have the mindset that it's going to benefit everyone equally. And, uh, I have that mindset as well going into with these guys. Like I want that, I want them to reap the benefits just as much as I do. So. That's the other thing of having a successful podcast like you guys do. It's always better when you have a co-host, right? It's, it Yo, makes the journey a bit more funner. Oh I have to remind yeah. side of that when he tries to kick me out sometimes. But yes. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, you got to remember that. I, I will tell you that the dynamic that the three of you have on your show is incredible. It makes it such uh, an enjoyable listen. Thank you, man. Thank you. And that, that's that's just genuine friendship there. How many episodes have you guys done so far? We are at, uh, I think, 102 now. I think we did 102. Congratulations. Episodes. You crossed the 100 mark. Everyone, check out that show, The Free Retiree Show. Thank you to Lee Michael Murphy for coming on. It was it was awesome to get to talk to you about this. It's, it's something that I hear from our financial professionals all the time. It's like they're thinking about doing these different types of mediums, but sometimes they just won't take that step. So hearing from one of their peers, uh, a successful financial professional like you is, is really valuable f- uh, to our audience. So thank you so much for coming on. We really appreciate it. Thank you guys. It's been an honor to be on your podcast and I love what you guys are doing as well. Appreciate you guys. We'll do it again. Definitely. Thanks so much for, for coming on. Uh, we're going to transition to the Costanza corner. This is the whole truth. Stick with us. 
And welcome back to the Costanza Corner, where we like to end the show on a high note. Steve, are we going to leave on a high note today? Yeah, but is it cool if I do an animal one? I know I do it a lot. Can I do one animal? Can I do, I do it? music? You do animal. That's that seems to be our. our Can brands. I do that? Yeah, yeah, sure. and science, and we got some good, you know. But but this is like really cool. Everyone loves tigers, right? We like them. We appreciate them. You well, like what's, tigers? What's that? No, I mean, I'm an LSU tiger, so sure. No, no, I mean like big cats. Aren't they like amazing? Like lions and okay. yeah. And well, Tiger here's the King, deal. Like what was that you Netflix know, show that, that was yeah. Awesome. Well, I mean they're they're amazing. They're incredible. You ever see a tiger? You know at the zoo, these things are amazing. But here's the crazy thing about it, unfortunately, and the downside of uh, of this, and the reason why we're going to talk about the upside is because you know they went down to pretty low amounts. And this particular article I read had to do with the Siberian tiger. So think a big, you know, the typical orange tiger with the stripes, you know, a couple days ago, a couple decades ago, actually, there was down to like 40 of them and that's it. And now what they're starting to see is, you know, there's an article that they're finding paw prints everywhere. And those numbers have gone from really less than 50 tigers in the world to now they're estimated over 600. So they're back to, to thriving. And I just found that off to the be, endangered species list now. I still think they're endangered, but clearly they're a, you know, Coming back, a, su a success story about you know conservation out in Siberia. So I found that to be incredibly joyful, and that's my Costanza corner. Didn't we talk about this with that turtle that single-handedly like replenished the population? By yes, I like these stories. <laughs> I like how there's only like two of them or that like five turtle of them. Was and, a busy man. <laughs> yeah, and it's like okay, it is your job to repopulate, but no, no, that's challenge awesome, accepted. Man. Yeah, there's more tigers. I think that's a good thing. I, you know, to me, that's a good thing. So thanks everyone for listening. We'll see you next time. You can find The Whole Truth and subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. We'd love it if you took the time to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. It helps others find the show. And for more episodes of The Whole Truth, go to www.touchstoneinvestments.com slash the whole truth. That's touchstoneinvestments.com slash the whole truth, all one word. Please note that this content was created as of the specific date indicated and reflects views as of that date. It will be kept solely for historical purposes and opinions may change without notice in reacting to shifting economic, market, business, and other conditions. Touchstone funds are distributed by Touchstone Securities Incorporated, a registered broker-dealer and member FINRA and SIPC.